Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Maria Serres-Vutsinas. She is the media maverick and all about free speech, fighting for equality and human rights. Maria, how are you? I am great, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It is. I'm super excited and jazzed that you're here. So I... You are such an amazing human being, and it's really my pleasure to be able to showcase you with all our friends out in the universe. Um, and I really would love it if you could share a little bit about, you know, who you are and what you do. I would be so excited to do that. I hate talking about myself, but love talking about what I do. Um, I've had the honor and privilege of being the executive director of the National Ethnic Press and Media Council of Canada for many, many years. Um, and it's it's a role that I kind of fell into. I want to say we're going back a good 15 years now. Um, however, ethnic media has been a part of my life since birth. Yeah. Um, my fabulous father has been in the ethnic media space since he came to Canada as a political refugee okay. over 50 years ago. And he realized at that point that there was a need for third language media. Back when my dad, Thomas Harris, came to Canada, immigration was flourishing and beautiful. And, you know, Spark went off where he said, you know what, third language Canadians, they deserve to have news in a language other than English and French. Yeah. And to this day, it's still just as important. Absolutely. If not more, right? Because we have so many um, languages being spoken in Canada, right? Let alone Toronto. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in this segment of, of media has yeah. just grown and grown. And it's, I mean, especially for me, it's so wonderful to see, yeah. you know, people, community leaders embracing yes. their heritage and making sure that reliable news is getting to their leadership, uh, readership. Yeah, totally. I mean, and well, the thing is the reliable news is really important. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is that in the world that we live in where there's a lot of access to information, yes. oftentimes misinformation and people putting stuff out that looks like news but isn't news and they don't even know how to source, is this a reliable source or not? Um, is this biased? Is it not biased? Um, those critical analytical skills I think is being lost or it's being over drowned out. And so we know, I mean, I know that, you know, with regards to your specialization in ethnic media, the entire media landscape is also being impacted by this. Yeah. Can you speak to some of those challenges? Absolutely. And it's definitely something that keeps me up at night. Okay. Um, I think, I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to. Okay. Uh, when, when the pandemic began, this mm -hmm. is where we kind of had to stop and go, whoa, Right. Um, there's a big demographic or, or the demographic we don't necessarily just focus on, but it's a big portion of it are seniors. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're reading stuff online and saying, but I read this and is this how it is? Is this true? And you almost have to say, hang on a second. We got to stop here. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's read and follow the people that you know and trust and, I get it. There's so much information out there. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion. So this is where, you know, the whole idea of like ethics and, you know, making sure that you're not misleading misinformation, disinformation is not part of the package. And, you know, our, uh, our organization is very, very strict when it comes to be careful what's being put out there. Cause there's a difference when you're writing opinion Yes. And there's a difference when you're writing fact. Yes. So again, a very, very difficult, it, it's a challenge. It's hard. Yeah. Right? And we have to depend on community members to say, wait a second, you know, I just read this in an outlet. Is this true? And, you know, you, you kind of sit there and, and, and you struggle and you have to rein in, you know, certain people and, and what their opinions are, but mm -hmm. then you also don't want to kill people's beliefs and, and right. whatnot as well. So, I mean, what do you do in that? Like, I mean, like, what do you do in a situation like that? Right. Because 
even to the point of what you're talking about, seniors, very important population who didn't necessarily grow up with this technology. And so we did see during the pandemic an extreme rise in scams and targeting senior populations because of this. And so that's, that's one thing that is kind of like an offshoot of that. But when it comes to information um, that is getting out there, misinformation, disinformation, um, protecting like, like um, accredited or like, you know, real journalistic um, sources is really important. But how do people determine that how do people even know? How does the common public know? Because right now, anybody can circumvent that. You say that you have strict guidelines, you have a strong sense of ethics. Well, someone says, well, I don't want to play by those rules. Wait a minute. I'm just going to create my own website and I'm going to create my own handle on whatever social media platform and just start espousing stuff. So in that vein, how does media function, survive and overcome that? So the good news is the majority of ethnic media today have been around since the beginning of time. So we're going back years and years and they've built that trust in community and it becomes generational. So, you know, grandma's reading the newspaper, um, you know, mom's reading it and then the the kids will read it. So you've got that trust in something that's been around for a long time. Yeah. With the newer outlets that, that are being formed and a lot of them right now are going online and we get that. We depend on community members. So the stalwarts in the community that we've known forever and we know are ethical and are fact-based right. and are, you know, they're not going to beat around the bush with, yeah. with stuff. You know, yeah. it's all it's safety and the information they're providing. We have to depend on them to let us know, okay, you know what? This person isn't, isn't here to stir up any controversy. Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's tough. It's still extremely difficult. I see it in my own ethnic community too. Okay. Right? Like you've got the guys that have been around forever and gals. Um, and then you'll have that little kind of pop up out of nowhere. And you're like, whoa, wait a second here. I can't control it. I can't say to you, stop it. But I can make sure that I use my voice and my power to make sure that the community is aware. Be careful. Of the information that's being, of what's being written and Absolutely. how it's being written. Yeah. Okay. So like, that's, that's great that we have that, um, as things are shifting from, I mean, one of the things I know, and I read about, and even all the major newspapers print is print going out. Ah, this, um, talking about this breaks my heart. This print is still extremely important again for our seniors because they're going to go to their ethnic bakery. They're going to go to their ethnic grocery store buy their stuff. They're going to pick up their copy of the newspaper. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the older generation isn't yet as comfortable getting on their smartphones or their yeah. tablets and, and reading the news. So having that at their fingertips is, is important. However, print costs have gone through the roof. Okay. So advertising has gone down. Okay. So the stream of money coming in, which in ethnic media especially, we used to laugh. We were flourishing at one point because communities support communities. Yeah. So my ethnic bakeries were putting out ads. You know, your, your dealerships, you name it. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just so wonderful to see that support. But slowly, slowly but surely, it all just started to crumble. Crumble. And then the pandemic just completely brought us to the point of near collapse. Okay. So it's it's tough because if you can't make the bills, how can you run a paper? How can you run a paper? And if you don't run a paper, how do you get into the hands of your readership? It's dangerous. It really, really is dangerous. It's such an important aspect of society. So what can people do? Or does the government step, step in? Like what, what happens? So the this- government's, I'll be honest with you, um, have always been our savior. And um, the federal governments, you know, leading back to as far as uh, Stephen Harper when he was prime minister, have, they value the ethnic media. Mm -hmm. A Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. Yeah. And there have been so many wonderful supports in the past. 
and especially more so over, over the pandemic, I will credit this government for saving the industry. They okay. did. Okay. They literally saved, saved our industry. We had members calling us in tears saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't afford it. I've got no advertisements coming in. I've taken out a second mortgage on my home. I've had to take out loans. Yeah. And I, I was frozen because I was helpless. There was literally, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then I called a very good friend of mine, David Valentin of uh, Liaison Strategies, yeah. a wicked, wicked lobbyist. And I, I cried and I said, David, I'm, I'm sad. I don't know what to do anymore. And David stepped in and he's like, we're booking meetings. We're getting all of this together. And we would spend 12 hours a day speaking with members of parliament from, you know, every party you can think of with our pleas. And the federal government said, you know what? We're creating this amazing fund to help you through this rough patch through the Canadian periodical funding model called Special Measures for Journalism. That's awesome. It was a godsend. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Maria, for, for doing that. Love you, David. You yeah. Um, no, that's, that. I mean, that's the power of um, lobbying. That's the power of knowing the levers to push policy, to, to influence like, hey, take a look at this, put a spotlight on something and say, this is an issue that matters to community members. And with ethnic media, I think oftentimes it's so um, community oriented. And when the community is hurting, everybody hurts. Yeah. Right. And Absolutely. COVID was, it, it didn't matter where you were from. It, it, it impacted everybody. Yeah. But I think I know that there was in our conversations that there were always lots of challenges with survival, yeah. right? Like I will say I am a very proud subscriber <laughs> of the, of um, the Toronto star. I get a, I get a paper copy and I love it and I read it. But I also realized that my daughter's friends may not actually have a paper at their home. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's because they might read it off of their tablets or what have you. And that's, um, just a, a different interaction mode. Um, but we do need to protect it. Right. Like, and I don't think it's just our seniors because I think, you know, one of the things that I know that's very important as a parent is we have a no devices at our table when we eat. Yes. But if you use it as your news source, so you're having breakfast and you're on your phone reading the newspaper. <laughs> Your child can't tell what the difference is. They just think, oh, you're just on your phone. But in our house, we model reading the paper and everybody's always reading, Love right? It. I mean, it's not to make it right or wrong, but I just see, like, when I see my daughter, even if she's reading, like, she's, like, got this paper. I just think it's wonderful. And then my two-year-old is, like, you know, gets a little book and she pulls it out to read. It's really important. And I share this because I worry about the loss of print and I hope it makes a comeback. Because I remember when the Globe, I think the Globe, when they did that color, one color print and signed up for 10 years, people were like, what? The industry is about to go down and you just signed up for a 10 year, like front color copy of, um, you know, a full spread paper. They were like, yeah, we're investing in that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I appreciate it. I, I really do. And our friends over in the mainstream media are in the exact same predicament that we are in. And I have many conversations with the leadership over in mainstream on, you know, ways that we're going to keep this alive. And there's a lot of great stuff happening out there in the universe. Yeah. Uh, Bill C-18 is, is one of them, right? Yeah. The on Online News Act, um, which and we're modeling this off of what happened in Australia. Yeah. And I had the honor and privilege to speak with a few publishers in Australia just a couple of weeks ago and to see that, you know, it, brought life back into the industry, yeah. which is great. Yeah. And I think with that, hopefully it's extremely important to me. It's extremely important to you. And a, and a lot of our friends and family that are, that are watching this right now, that print media does still continue going. Cause you know yeah. what? I'm, I'm like you having a newspaper in my hand. is a lot different than me, you know, on a tablet. I do it out of necessity, yeah. out of necessity, yeah. but it's, um, it is really, really something. And I think we have to be innovative and think of ways to keep it alive and fruitful. And that is a whole other beast. So isn't that one of the things that you're working on? Like trying to emulate what Australia has done? Absolutely. Like, because 
that's something that's very important in terms of of um, protecting um, the brain trust, protecting the knowledge, protecting the information so that the funds will flow back to the source. Absolutely. Can you speak a little bit about it more articulately? What is Bill CT? So at the end of the day, um, big tech has come in and they're reaping the rewards of online advertisements. I get it. If I'm a business and I'm going to get, you know, the best bang for my buck by going through Google, Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times we kind of stop and don't think of the bigger picture. So these guys are taking in all of this amazing money through advertisements. Which is why the print papers were like, we're losing advertising revenue Absolutely. because it's going digital. It's going digital. And you know what? They, they, they're taking in all this ad revenue. They're not producing any content. So all us content creators and journalists and what are you going to do? You, you can't take water from a stone. Yeah. So it may seem a little harsh in terms of how we're going about this. It's, it's not. We're here, again, to protect an extremely important part of democracy and society. Yeah. If I can't pay my journalists, I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you think we're close to getting something like what Australia has? I really do. It's That's awesome. Currently in um, the Senate right now, so it's uh, being debated in the Senate. Um, it, it's it's looking pretty pretty good. So this could be a game changer for print media. Absolutely. Well, more so or for media. online media. Online media, and, media right? It, but you know, if if you've got if you're striking deals with Google and Facebook, and you know you're able to at least get 30 percent of your your costs covered then you're going to be able to focus on, you know, because the majority of outlets have an online presence as yes, long as a printed, yeah. print presence. So it'll supplement in some way, shape or form. That's how we hope it'll <laughs> pan out. I'm hoping so. That's so cool. I mean, and that's really, I'm really glad to hear that because, you know, without <laughs> media, um, freedom of speech, different opinions, uh, you know, ethical presentation of information and everything, like where would society be exactly exactly you know yeah. we need we need things that spark our interest yeah we need to learn i mean as humans we're constantly lear learning and evolving yeah and again i'm, I'm gonna say this a million times you know fact-based information yeah is important okay so here's a tool like that i'm gonna ask for you to think about um so yes there's been a there's been a loss of revenues, but it looks like we're going to, you know, reclaim that lost revenue so that the people who are the content creators are getting the funds that they so rightly deserve. And that's very important, which will help maintain the, um, the, the media. Yes. So that's really important. So yes. staying alive, number one. Yes. But number two, when you think about the readership, how, like, I, you know, how can, what are tools or, or tips for people to um, learn how to become more aware of what is real information? You know, how, how to be a critical reader, maybe. That's what I, I mean. You know, like when people are reading, there's so much content. Like, is there anything to help advise people of like, be aware of what you're reading and think about it? Because I think it's the critical lens of how people interpret information. Yeah. This might be pretty complex. I don't know, but I think that... I, I have worked with students and they're quoting stuff, which is like a blog, which is a personal opinion. And I'm like, that's not fact. Like, where did you get your facts from? Like, yeah. and they think it's real because they just Googled it. And it's a, it's a source that's not credible. I'm like blog vacation love or something like that. And I'm like, that's not a real source. It's a huge, huge issue. Huge. And I think it's bigger than you and me yeah. in trying to figure this one out. Yeah. Um, again, in, in our, our case is you've got a pretty loyal readership yeah. and they know, you know, if I go to this source, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping it real and I know that I'm going to get information that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, yeah. it, this, is, this is a battle that I don't even know where to begin yeah. Right. Like yeah. I do and my part. I do my part in informing my community. Yeah. Like this is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to go to. Yeah. Um, but I, people are, and especially in moments of weakness. Yeah. People take advantage of that. Of course they do. Manipulation is, is awful. 
it's just, it's awful. And it makes me really, really angry. So yeah. my blood pressure goes up because yeah. I'm thinking, how is this possible? Yeah. I don't know. And that's why I think like with media, like we can be our own content creators, right? Like we have a whole industry of people who are influencers who state their opinion and people just follow. Yeah. Right. And it's great. It's wonderful that people can just use their device and, you know, speak to reach everyone and anyone who's willing to listen and they've got their soapbox. But what happens if that's, you know, not always used for, I don't know, like something that is positive. I don't know. Right. And so I guess for me, I come back to thinking like, how can we help people, um, sort out the difference of quality, right. Um, content, uh, or being able to discern, oh yeah, discern, like this is really left. This is really right. This is really so far out there. Like this is not because we are also in a world where there's all these SEO engines where they serve up. It's like confirmation bias. You just serve up the same thing over and over again because you, you searched it. So it's actually terrifying how media is consumed because it can take you from something that might be moderate and go from one extreme to another extreme. And it's different. Like when I was growing up, we had a TV and the whole family watched TV together. Absolutely. We didn't have, and now fast forward now, my kid has her own avatar looking at her own shows and it serves up shows that she wants to watch, right? So it's very customized. And so, and then we might have this, like, you know, the same phone, but the information being served up on it is so different. And I don't know, like, is there any sort of critical lens? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know, Maria. It's, this is, this is a really, really tough one. I think it's important for, for us, you know, the savvier folks just keep talking about it, right? There's a lot of shady characters, even in in like mainstream society um, that, you know, you and I would just be like, whoa, but a lot of pe- other people are just like, wait a second. Yeah. What they're saying is making sense, right? Yeah. Moments of weakness. Yeah. And then you go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And it's so very difficult, unfortunately, to pull people out of that. So how do we protect media? Like, I mean, so we have one tool here, with the, which is a bill that helps redivert funds back into media, yes. um, which is step number one. But what are other ways in which we can like support journalists. What are, because I know so many journalists who are like, oh, it's so tough. It's so tough to be, to stay. Like, and I see a lot of people who have these aspirations to be these writers and these journalists, but there is a burnout rate. And, you know, I blame a lot of that as well on social media. Okay. Like why? Well, we're seeing a lot of our journalists, um, especially in the mainstream, the online attacks, especially against Females, okay, um, and female people of color, yeah, is unbelievable. You could be the strongest human being physically and mentally, and over time, that's going to weigh down on you, especially with anonymous troll accounts coming out yeah. after. Right, people have agendas, yes, and they are cruel. There's only so much. We also need protections. We yes. need to protect. Yeah our journalists as well against this. And a lot of newsrooms are doing that. And I'm really, really proud to see that. Okay. However, it's a tough gig. It's a really, really tough gig. And I, you know, I follow all of these, you know, these wonderful magnetic females that are, you know, out there reporting the truth and then just getting beaten down. And there's, there's only so much that I think any human can take. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there's the story, right? Like I think it's this woman, um, she's down South where she's Korean and, you know, she, during New Year's, like, I think she was reporting and, and she was reporting about how, oh yeah. And so for New Year's, this is what people will be drinking, which is collard greens and whatever, whatever, as an, a traditional thing. She was, oh, as a Korean American, I'm going to have like, um, soup, yeah. like, and, and it, and it was like, a woman called in and left a message saying, you're being very Asian. 
And then she turned this, Michelle Lee um, was the anchor and she basically turned it around, made a social media post about it and then was like very Asian and now has created and turned it around because I mean, we know that during COVID that there was a lot of anti-Asian sentiments. And so she was subject to it as a media personality um, where someone was attacking her for like, how dare you talk a little bit about what you're about your Asian-ness on American TV. And she's like, wait a minute, I am American. This is a part of that fabric. Absolutely. And then she churned it and made it a whole entire movement. And I remember I was like, this is awesome. And now she has hashtag very Asian. Um, and, you know, like people are like kind of stepping up and claiming space online as yeah. a result of it. So yeah, trolling is really hard. And I don't think that's a success story for everyone because we also see that not only is it in media, but we also see it in the political world where we see lots of um, women who are like, I'm stepping down. It's just become too much. And the vitriol, like, and what does that mean? (laughs) But I think that it's true. Like the trolling, the non-anonymousness of it, the people with an agenda, it's very difficult to um, curtail that. And what measures could, I mean, I, and I don't know, expect you to have the answer to this, but it's like, how do we protect people? How do we protect, um, you know, the people who are willing to put their face out there versus a troll? <coughs> Excuse me. We're singing songs of coughing. I love it. <coughs> Look, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we... <coughs> You know, that small little minority, really, really loud people that feel comfortable attacking, which I'll never understand, you know? Yeah. Look, you know, there's that saying, hurt people, hurt people, which is, you know, I get it. It's, it's wrong. Yeah. But it's up to those of us on the outside to be louder. Yeah. Fair enough. And it takes energy. And I get that. And it's scary because when you're defending on social media, the attacks then can be directed at you, you know, as a supporter of someone just like, you know, hold on, buddy. You know, I'll be honest. I tend to stay out of stuff like this just because I'm like, I'm I'm exhausted. Like when I was uh, during the pandemic and when vaccines became available, I was out there left, right, and center talking about the benefits, talking about community, why this is important to community. It wasn't a me issue. It was a community issue. Yeah. Protecting our healthcare workers. Yeah. Protecting our seniors. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, the abuse that I received was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And there came a point where I was like, whoa, yeah, maybe I should stop. I didn't. But it was exhausting. So I can't even imagine these wonderful, brilliant people receiving this day after day after day. And that's why we've got to be out there and, you know, protect Rally around and support them when they need it. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's the smallest ask, but it's so important. Yeah. And not to, I mean, and that's like, you know, you can report comments or you can do those things, but it just feels like it's not enough. No, I honestly don't think that even social media um, companies even really pay attention to that anymore, right? Mm. I mean, we're seeing it with Twitter. Well, yeah. And it's uh, it, it really, really is scary and it's frustrating. And the last thing we want to do is have just another thing you know, affect people's mental health. Well, I think that's something that we see, right? Like mental health has been acutely, um, been impacted over COVID and it's now exacerbated because the supports, the wraparound supports aren't there. And if our media personalities who are willing to put their face in front of a message, in front of a value system, in front of whatever are being attacked and then they disappear, then what do we have left? Exactly. Right. So it's scary. What a scary thought, eh? It's totally scary. That's why I like when you say, well, media is on the brink of what? Like disappearing of, you know, like it just seems like now everything's free form. Everybody can just do it. But we need the leaders. We need the journalists 
who can lead the way to say, well, this is how we do it. This is how you can be a professional about it. I don't know. Again, it's a really, really tough um, conversation to have because like in any industry, innovation is important. Yeah, right. innovation. So, you know, we can sit here and scream and cry and say, we don't have the advertising revenue. All right, let's, let's think. And, you know, we're trying that with, whatever energy and effort we've got left in yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, things are working. Yeah. There has to be more. Um, but I think it's collective. I, don't, I think it's it's bigger than just, you know, media industry folks. Right, right, right. It's everyone. Like, I need you as a fabulous member of the community to keep supporting the Toronto Star. Yeah. To subscribe to, you know, whatever, whatever ethnic media outlet is out there. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. any way, You're, you've got a business, put in that advertisement. Right. These are important ways to be able to keep this sector alive and, and growing. And it's tough as people build back after what the pandemic caused financially to a lot of folks. Um, I get it. And yeah. we're slowly starting to see the pickup. Yeah. And it's it's great to see because when one person's doing well, then other people slowly start doing that. Exactly. So are there like some positive examples of thinking outside of the box where people have tried to like innovate? and um, create new ways of um, attracting new readership or sustaining important relevance in a community? So there's a lot of our members that, you know, still physically produce a newspaper. Yeah. And then have said, wait a second, I'm going to do a YouTube show. Okay. Right? So you've got this younger generation that's now watching this YouTube show or listening to this online radio program or a podcast that is like, wait a second, this is great. Like this is a great community leader that's doing this. And then we'll um, take a subscription out to the newspaper as well. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So So there's like, it it, it just like like a family. Yeah, it's like this amazing family. And that's, I'm seeing that more in communities where immigration is still quite steady. Okay. And you've got younger generations coming over as well. Okay. And, you know, English may may be a second language. So there is a grasp of it. Um, so we're also seeing a lot of that too. A lot of bilingualism. Yes. Right? So I'm primarily a Greek newspaper with English and sometimes French will be incorporated How in that. It's, it's incredible because you need to get the younger generation to be invested. Yeah. Or there it's all going to just be, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? I mean, in some ways, I actually feel like it's quite hopeful because people are consuming content at such high values and there's so many options and so many choices that it forces people to be creative. And if there is a natural following, the translation of following this anchor, following this journalist, and then subscribing to the local um, community paper or whatever it is, is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this takes me back to communities, right? Like the media is an extension of the community or the media helps create the community identity and they're all fueling each other. Like they are part of that and we need each other. We do. And so it's like, I love that. Like that there's a, now that we're, you know, the first wave of major immigration really created this third language need, the multilingualism. But now we have, like bi, like bilingual folks or multilingual folks. And it just feels like sometimes when you walk in Toronto, what's so amazing about Toronto is that people just move in from English to Greek to, well, French to, you know, like Chinese or whatever, like all these different languages that are just like, like moving in really fluidly. Absolutely. Which is so wonderful to see, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's such a celebration of, our diversity and our, you know, abilities to uh, celebrate, celebrate who we are. Like I'm a first generation Canadian myself, my children, obviously second generation. And, you know, I'm pushing it even with them, how important it is to have an understanding and a grasp of your culture. And that includes language as well. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, it's sometimes, it's sort of hit and miss. I feel like, like we know that we're part of other, like my children, you know, we are in a bilingual, like, you know, um, we speak English mostly primarily, but yeah. we don't speak my Chinese language all the time because it's not around and yeah. it's not 
fluid enough. And so I worry about that, right? And I think we need to save that as well. Absolutely. That's that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I put a lot of I give a lot of props to grandparents because especially grandparents that are established immigrants in Canada have been here for a yeah. while. Yeah. You know, and and just at, at least in my situation, you know, my parents, my in-laws were constantly speaking to my children in Greek. Yeah. Exposing them to yeah. to that and it's worked because now they're they're adults and they can speak it. They can well, understand it. They can definitely understand it. Speaking it is funny, but you know what? I always applaud them because I'm like, good for you. Do it. Get on that app, that Duolingo app. Yes. And they're, they're learning it because, you know, it's, it's their identity. It's so important to all of us. Well, it comes down to why we need to help support ethnic media, right? Because it's a part, it actually shows a vibrant community yes. still demands it. Yeah. And that's what makes Toronto amazing Absolutely. is the diversity and so it's like language. It takes us to a whole other piece about how important it is in our own homes to support multilingualism. Absolutely. And I even see this on a lot of our shows. Like I love watching CBC because yeah. they really have put a focus on showing cultures and all of like shows that don't focus primarily on the fact that, oh, this is a diverse show, but it's a part of it. It's normalized. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's so great, right? I'm like, if only I had this when I was growing up, Honestly, I've come a long way. Seriously. But it's, it's just like nowadays. And I, you know, I just see it as it's just kind of like, it, it's an extension. It's well, it all just makes sense. Yeah. Right. And you know what? This is such an important stat that I need to put out there. Like 25% of Canadians, and this is according to StatsCan, 25% of Canadians identify with a language other than English or French. That's a huge number. That is huge. Huge. 25% of 25% of Canadians. And this is StatsCan. This is not Maria fake newsing anything. (laughs) These are are like real, real numbers. It's a huge, a huge number out there. So, so what do we need to do then? Like, give me some like thoughts, like, you know, in terms of um, what that means. Listen, support your local community newspaper. Yeah. You know, whatever your heritage is, whatever you identify with in your lineage, it's important to reach out. Even if it's primarily written in a language other than English or French, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just yeah. putting the support out there, if you're able to, is going to be huge in the way of advertisement, Yeah, in the way of subscription. Yeah. These are little, little things okay. that mean a lot, right? right? Every little bit helps. Are subscriptions expensive for ethnic community papers? It depends on okay. on the outlet, but it's not. Um, it's nothing that would make someone go, "Whoa, I can't, I right. can't do this." Yeah. So, and a lot of community newspapers are free. Yeah, and that's the whole point of it. That's why when you're going into your grocery store, they're you there. You're going to pick them up. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it serves such an important role in communicating what's happening because for a lot of people where English isn't their first language, it's really like operating it like sort of unaware. And so they need these community papers where they feel like connected. Right. And yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's so important. So you are a like media warrior. I love the fact that you have been, you know, advocating for making sure that funds get back to ethnic media. Um, you know, is there anything else that that you think would be really helpful in terms of supporting apart from, you know, subscribing, uh, supporting the local paper, put an ad if you're a small yeah. business. Um, think about it in that way of like, it's kind of a return back to the community. Right? That's it. And Lee, it's as simple as that. It really is as simple as that, right? Sharing your newspaper with a friend or a neighbor. Um, you know, discussing what's being written, you know, there were the critical thinking piece is also extremely important. Um, you know, even just communicating with the editor. Okay. And that matters. It matters. It really matters. Right. Because if I'm sitting here in a little soapbox of my own and just writing away, I want, I'm, I'm representing a community, right? I want to know what's important to you. Okay. So members of the community should like, because sometimes I feel like when you say editor, it feels like, Ooh, this is like such a big person. Like, I don't even know if I should reach out to them, but it is actually the gateway absolutely, to express what's going on, what important needs are. And so that they stay on top of it. So they understand, 
it's like, I guess, a reciprocal relationship that sure. the that the media communicates what things to the community, but they also reflect what the community wants to see. 100%. Listen, if I lose your interest, what am I doing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I want to be seen as, as a leader in the community, but yeah. I can only achieve that status if you're going to have trust and faith in me. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to be giving you something that is going to benefit you. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess something that I'm just thinking about now is like my father, he reads the Chinese newspaper. I can't read Chinese, so I don't actually read any of the Chinese papers, but it was always significant in my family because it was a part of us growing up. Yes. So for generations, so he came to Canada. I'm a first generation Canadian where I was born here. Yes. Um, and English is really my primary language. Yes. So any tips on, on, you know, first generation, second generation kids of ethnic communities, how they can stay engaged? Absolutely. Um, and again, that's another matter of reaching out to, you know, the ethnic paper and saying, would you consider right. adding a couple of English articles in this newspaper, right? My family's really, really invested in the news that you produce. Right. It's important to me as well to keep that tradition alive. You would be surprised. More and more we're seeing that within ethnic media where they're saying, you know what? This is great. Okay. Right? And a lot of that is centered around community events. Okay. So if I'm going to go to my local Greek dance yeah. and, um, you know, the journalist is going to write about the party and what, what it's about and, you know, what mm -hmm. region of Greece it's representing. But I want my kids to also understand that, hey, you know what? Staying strong within your community is important. Yeah, absolutely. That's another piece. I, you know, that's it. And just, you know, again, support, support, support that newspaper. I mean, just thinking about the Chinese community. Tsingtao. Yeah. Big, huge. God. Online. Yeah. For Chinese seniors. That's horrible. Devastating. We have Ming Pao. Yes. <sighs> I don't know if they're going to make it. And that's devastating again. Those are like two community. major papers. Yeah. And it's tough. And there's only so much that governments can do in, in terms yeah, of right. support. Yeah. Uh, so this really, really, really falls on the community. If it's important to you, it's important to your dad. Yeah. To grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Right? Words in this case are not enough. We need to support I'm just thinking about that, like, because, you know, I mean, I guess you paid a little bit for Singtao, right? Like, it wasn't that much, I think. It was a, it was an arm of the Toronto Star. So I'm thinking, yeah, you know, it, it could have been similar. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Do you think there could ever be a comeback after it goes from paper to online? That is, um, that's a hope that it would come back. I don't know just because, um, you know, the parent company is also struggling as well. Like these are really, really hard decisions and I don't fault Torstar. I really, really don't, you know, they're struggling with their own issues as well yeah. right now. So we can be hopeful. I know the paper's really thin. Yeah. It's devastating. It really, really is devastating. I know. I mean, that's why, like, it, it's great to hear that there are some wins happening from yeah. a digital world, but it's kind of like, you know, terrifying the, about the loss of the yeah. physical, right? And I don't know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there's, it's ebbs and flows. I would hate to see us lose good journalism because what is it? You know, you think about all these great shows and these anchors and um, who people are, trusting yes. and you go to. But if we don't have a field for them to grow in and to compete in, yeah. then you're limited with just one perspective. Yeah. That's a very good point as well, right? Communities need opinions. They need different angles. There's, yeah. That's how discussion happens. That's how yeah. it grows. Yeah. So once you start seeing one fall yeah. and then the possibility of another, yeah, right? And now I know... In this particular example, we're focusing on daily newspapers, yeah. but there's a lot of weeklies as well. Yeah. And again, the pain 
is there. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. And I don't think people always think about it. Like when you're at the grocery store, you're probably like freaking out about the rising costs of, of fruit and food and all that stuff. And you see the paper, you think you assume it's always going to be there. Oh yeah. There's the share or there's whatever. But then if it all of a sudden, it's just no longer, it's just no longer. Like we saw this happen with now. Like, I mean, that was such a great, you know, weekly and it too had its own challenges and issues, right? And oh, for sure. So it's it's just really, you know, sad that and I know the people who worked behind it and worked so hard for it, and it was just so, you know, hard to see the real lives being impacted by. They wanted to make a contribution, and they did for decades, and then out, gone. It's uh, it affects people, yeah, personally, and um, you know, Brandon Gomez going in hopefully gives it new life. I know he will. He is a superstar. Yeah. And, you know, it's people like Brandon that also give me hope, right? Like they go out on their own and they start, they've got this idea and then it's just hard. Um, But he's growing. Like I'm just seeing his, his empire grow. Okay. Right. And that's where heart and soul comes into play. Right. Which 100% of the ethnic media editors out there, they're not doing this to make money. Nobody's yeah. driving around in a Rolls Royce. Yeah. This is community love. Yeah. And it's unbelievable just to see like the pain and anguish when you know, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Like it's it's your heart. Like yeah. it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's like what you were saying in the beginning where people are like, I've just had to take out a second mortgage <laughs> so I can keep this going. Absolutely. Like, you know, that they believe in their community so much and they believe just like your father did, like we need to be able to have media for us, for our community and grew that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, okay. So I think like the takeaway really is support local. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't assume that that paper that you see this week is going to be there next week. Um, subscribe, share, write to the editor with any ideas, with any thoughts that you might have. Uh, contribute. Contribute. Reach out to your editor and say, I've got this great idea. Oh, contribute articles. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Absolutely. Like, I've got this great idea. Let me write it down. I get a lot of those. And they're so fantastic. Like, people don't think they can write, right? And then you're just like, I never would have thought of this. Okay, cool, cool. Amazing ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are their own content creators. But this is like a very validating credible way of like, Hey, I wrote, sure. I published in, you know, Sing Tao or yes. I published in whatever, yes. you know? So yeah. that's actually a really great idea. Yeah. Um, okay. I wanted to read one thing that I thought was really great, which was your favorite quote, um, which is darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. Tell me why this is your favorite quote. Uh, you know what? I just find that um, we're in a day and age right now where people are so divided and angry and hurt. And, you know, in, instead of fighting back, right? Just being kind. Like all that is, is being kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people have lost that. I hear you. I totally hear you. Something has changed like in the way people engage and the way people interact and kindness is like so small but so much so much it really really makes a difference right i just we're all going through something we really are yeah you can't judge people like you don't know what people are going through no and just being kind and legitimately loving someone whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least for your own soul and your own peace, yeah. it makes a difference. Yeah. And hopefully you'll chip away at that anger, anger and that anguish that other people are feeling. Yeah. Like none of it makes sense to me. None of it. I, the division is what I think is really challenging because, you know, I may have my own opinions, but I'm always open to like, oh, I didn't actually think about it that way right? Tell me more, right? And, and we live in a world where if you hold this opinion, then I'm diametrically opposed and we can't talk. I'm like, when did that happen? Like, isn't this about actually having democratic conversation and actually sharing ideas and saying, okay, I agree with that. 
I agree with that. But I think these silos and these channels and these echo chambers are really impacting it where people aren't just like, no, we have to like bide by the same thing, tie our shoelaces the same way if we're going to walk together. Like, and I wish that that wasn't like, I wish we could be a little bit more like, not as like, it's important to know who you are, but it's also important to listen. And in order for us to grow together, if that's any intent is to share ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you know what? I'm going to learn a lot from you. Same goes with you. I'm learning a lot from you. Yeah. You yeah, know what I'm sure. saying? And it's, it's everybody. Yeah. It's everybody, right? Like I'm a storyteller for sure. So when I listen to people and I'm learning and I'm taking it in and you, you, you know, there's times where I'm just like, whoa, but yeah. then I'm like, those are their shoes, right? Yeah. They're explaining this to me. Yeah. I may not agree with it, yeah. but I'm here to listen. Listening's a lost skill, isn't it? It is done. It's just, I, I'm sad. So I'm going to ask you to bring on, it would be great to have a mental health professional come on here yeah. and talk about this very issue. Like how can we, as a society, yeah. just something as simple as listening? Yeah. Right. I do have someone coming up. So, oh, exciting. Will. Okay, yeah, good, stay good, tuned, good, good. Stay tuned. All right, good. I love it. You read my mind. I'm like, uh, yeah, we I'm, totally need that. I, I love it. Perfect. Well, Maria, as always, thank you so much. I really appreciate your lens. I appreciate your advocacy. The fact that maybe you will have helped save ethnic media is really great, together with Mr. David Valentin. So, love you, David. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation. And, um, you know, I appreciate any and every opportunity where I can talk about how important ethnic, ethnic media is to Canada and to Canadians and yeah. the world. Yeah, no, it's important. We have to hold that space, right? Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Yes. Thank you. All right.